Uh, Rando held it down with the rest of the brothers and sisters uh, and, and spoke about this, uh, the, the, the second part of Philippians 1. But, um, man, this chapter 2 is amazing, actually. It's really great stuff. And uh, we're going to jump in uh, to part of that chapter right now uh, as we jump into uh, hear God's word today. Amen? Um, just a little bit of a background so you guys know if you're jumping in for the first time uh, for Philippians, uh, our series is called The Secret of Joy, Spiritual Joy. That, that, that's not something that just comes naturally, amen? It doesn't come naturally just to have spiritual joy. Happiness, the word hap, right? The root word happiness is luck, amen? So that's not how we want to live. We don't want to live if we're lucky enough We'll be happy, right? That happiness or happy, it, 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 it really has that root of luck. And joy is something different, though. Joy has nothing to do with our circumstances. That essentially joy comes from within. Amen? True spiritual joy. And I think that's something that, wow, as our focus for this year, what a great focus. Because I think it's a true test of our spirituality. Do we keep our joy? Not do we just share our faith, although sharing our faith is awesome. Do we read our Bibles every day? But how is our spiritual joy doing? How's your spiritual joy doing? Do you feel joyful to be a disciple? No matter what happens today, I'm going to be joyful. Joy is a decision to be spiritual. (laughs) I know that's kind of an interesting thing. Joy is a decision to be spiritual. And even through the discipline that, that Brad talked about that we realize that God's training us. You know, and, 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 and there's a part of going through hard times. At first, it's really hard. I know uh, when I've gone through hard times, it's really hard in the beginning. There's tears. There's, it's hard. But there's something inside of you. I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us, but we know that something's good happening right now. I don't know if you've felt that, where, where inside, maybe it's just a quiet moment by yourself, well, you know what God's saying, I'm going to do something special here. Do you just wait? And I do love those times. Those times are really special to me. Amen. Those times are really, really helpful for me to get perspective, to be inspired. And so today we're going to go through Philippians 2, uh, a little bit part of that. But just to go through a little bit of catch up to what's going on. Paul is in a house arrest. He's in prison right here. And I don't know about you. What would your prison letter look like? If you were in prison, I'd be like, it's so cold in here, and this guy's looking at me weird, you know, and, and pray for me. Could you bring my pillow, you know, and I know in my sinful nature, I'd be like, you know, um, trying to wheel and deal comfort, amen? I'd be asking, could you bring me something? Could you help me? Could you visit me? Man, I miss you. I know you came here last week. Would you come again, please? You know, and I want you to, to do everything possible to encourage me. Right. You know, you ever be that? I'm here to be encouraged, guys. Encourage me, you know. <laughs> and, and yet, Paul, if you didn't know he was in prison, you would not think this is a prison letter. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm sure the other prison letters were a little different. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. I shouldn't be here. You know, I was framed. I was set up. Mm-hmm. And Paul could actually say that, that he wasn't supposed to be here. Amen. Why is God doing this? You know, that's not what he's saying. 
He's coming out of this letter going, man, I am so fired up that I'm in jail. <laughs> what? I'm so excited because the word is getting preached and people are speaking more boldly. And I know even though churches are getting attacked by Satan, I know I've planted all these churches, but I know God is going to complete a good work in you. You know, I realize this, that I am so self-reliant. Now, I didn't see anyone get surprised there. (laughs) I'm so self-reliant. You know, to think that I'm so important. You know, if, if, if I don't do something, what's going to happen? You know, God, if I, if I never spoke to you again, God will complete a good work in you. That if somehow if I couldn't be amongst you, God would work in your life and do amazing things. That God doesn't need me and God doesn't need you. That all God needs is people that, that he doesn't even need us, really. He loves us. He cares about us. But to do his work, he doesn't need a leader. Leaders are meant to be servants. Right. Just instruments of noble purposes. Uh, tools for the maker, right? I, I, I did a, uh, you ever do a Thompson Chain Reference Bible of weak instruments that God uses? Have you ever looked at that before? If you have a Thompson Chain Reference Bible, please study that out. It's pretty humbling. It goes through a stick. God took a whole nation down with a stick. Well, that's that's pretty inspiring, huh? He had this stick, and the stick basically brought all the plagues. We know the stick didn't do it. It was the the God behind the stick. And really, he just used it. He used it to bring about the plagues and the miracles that we saw. It was he stuck it in the water. He used this staff as a special, special instrument. Uh, a donkey's jawbone, amen? Donkey's jawbone, guys. You didn't think you could use one, but Samson used it to take down a thousand Philistines, right? How about Balaam's donkey, amen? Gotta love Balaam's donkey. You know, I think about Shrek, you know? And this guy was just talking, you know? What are you doing hitting me, man? You're about to get killed, man! You know, I don't know if it sounded like Eddie Murphy, but... but <laughs> I don't know what it sounded like, but, but this donkey was being used by God to warn somebody. Amen? Um, how about a jar, jar of oil? You know, God used a jar of oil, you know? Used a, used a jar. I mean, these are just instruments. And we realize that as people, Paul saw himself just as an instrument. He wanted to be a clean instrument. He wanted to be a vessel that God could use for him. And that's our part is to... To, to stay clean in God, to, to, to confess, to stay open. But really, Paul realized that God was going to use the Holy Spirit to change them, even despite his absence. It's amazing to think, you know. People were preaching out of false motives, but he was fired up that the word gets preached anyways. I mean, amazing perspective. Money was scarce. I don't know what the deal was, but he needed money because essentially... Philippians sent uh, uh, Paul money, and this was a response to that. He, he was given money from the Macedonian disciples or Philippine, uh, Philippian disciples, and essentially he was encouraged, and he wrote back saying, thank you for that, but I don't even need it because I've learned the secret to being content. Amen? But, but I don't know what was going on. Maybe I would think in prison now, in our prison system, you know, 
we're, the people are fed, amen, that's great, you know, amen, that's good, and uh, we, we, we at least feed the prisoners, and I think that's a good thing, but I don't know if he didn't have that choice, if he was just, his money was getting drained, you know, and essentially uh, he had to just survive on whatever gift was given to him. I don't know what was going on, but he essentially used that money to do good things. Um, maybe he was using that money to send off the missionaries to travel to encourage the churches. He was realizing that traveling to those different churches, he was going to have to use Timothy and the different people that work with him to do that. He was willing to die. You know, he was ready to die for Christ. I don't know about you, but that's amazing. Are you ready to die right now? I got to be honest, I'm not ready to die in the sense, like, I don't think it's the best thing right now. You know, if God was like, should you die right now? But, you know, I got kids that are young. I want to see them in the Lord first. I want to see them married. And then I start getting selfish. I want to see their grandkids. And I want to see, you know, Josh get old, you know, so it's hard for him to run around, you know what I mean? So I can make fun of him. Hey, remember when you said I was an old guy? Look at you now. We're both old, you know. And, um, I have a, I have, we, we figure it out. We're trying to figure out who, who's going to be the best basketball player. And we have this thing where by the age 50, if I can still beat him in basketball, this is not going to happen. He's going to destroy me in basketball. He's going to be 23. It's going to be a tough matchup here. I think he's going to do it before I turn 50. But uh, that, that then, we'll, then we'll determine who the best basketball player is after that point in time. Um, I'm going to have to play a little dirty. Yep. Um, he's going to jay me up. I know it. I know it. But, uh, you know, I'm not ready to go yet. But I, in some ways, I feel ready if God's will is that. And for those that just, I just want to encourage you, you know, what, what's church here? It's to give you peace in your relationship with Christ. And I want to encourage you, if you're studying the Bible or if you're close to making it, make a decision to be like Paul and be ready to go. As he could say, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Amen? It's an awesome passage in Philippians 1, uh, 20. So we're just going to jump in. We're actually not going to go through the whole chapter 2 because... Um, that's a lot to go through. And to be honest, Philippians 2 through 1 through 11 is a lot to go through. And um, forgive me if I don't do it justice. I always feel like that when I preach. Can I just confess something to you guys? I don't ever feel like I do the word of God justice. And I don't know if any preacher does. But I'm just going to take a stab at it, Amen. Because, man, I've heard some great preachers, but even those great preachers can't do justice with just all that's in the God's word. But I'm just going to talk about what impacts me. Amen? So let's jump in. The joy of humble service. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love being one in spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, 
have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Verse 5 could be something you can meditate on right there. In your relationships with one another. I already feel sinful right now thinking about it. In my relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Wow. So I got to have the mind of Christ first. I have to be tuned into that. Amen. That means I have to be thinking like Christ, which is hard in itself. But then I have to treat my relationships as Christ would treat them. This Jesus is our Lord. Amen. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Amen. This is an amazing passage in the Bible. This is one of these passages that I don't even think when I'm 85 I'm going to really get. Because some of this stuff is so spiritual that it, it, we're only going to understand it when we get to heaven. But I want to first talk about the joy, the, the, really the message of this is the joy of humble service. That, that the joy of humbly serving one another is, is more important than any of our needs being met personally. Yeah. You know, and we felt that as disciples. If you served in any capacity, you understand what I'm saying. It's more blessed to give than to receive, the Bible says. And Jesus said. But essentially we know that, that there's joy, and this joy that we're trying to learn the secret of comes from humble service. That's one of the ways we can be joyful. If you're not feeling joyful right now, go and humbly serve someone. If you're not feeling excited about your relationship with God, go and serve someone. You know, there's something about serving others that helps you understand God's heart in ways that nothing else can. And I want to encourage us as, we, as, we, as we're learning about joy. Joy is not just me meditating and, 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 and reciting scriptures to myself. Joy is getting out of my house and serving other people. And obviously those in my house as well. You know, if you have roommates or, or a spouse or family, you know, it's, it's about thinking about other people. You know what, that's not my natural uh, my natural place. You know, the Bible even says that, that the husband loves his own body. He loves himself. And so love your wife like you love your own body. That's exactly what the Bible says. It's kind of humbling. You know, I wake up and do I think about, hey, did Josh have a nice sleep? No, I think about how did I do? How did my sleep go today? Right when I wake up, I'm thinking, how did I sleep today? You know? Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, our natural thought process is this takes a, a focusing on Christ to get. The first thing I want to talk about, the only way we can get there to be jumbling, uh, joyfully humbling ourselves in service is that we got to have joy in our relationship with God. That's where we're going to get the strength from, amen? 
You know, just your, the joy of your relationship with Christ. Do you have joy in your relationship with God? You go, yo, man, I am excited to read my Bible today. I'm excited to be and spend time with my Lord. I'm excited about my relationship with God. You know, and this is what Paul was saying. He's saying, do you have any encouragement with these things? He says, do you have any encouragement with being united with Christ? And I don't know about you, but that should be a yes, right? But it's not always a yes. Do you remember that you're in Christ? You know, do you remember your baptism? And I don't know about you, but I remember it. I still remember it, but I often forget it if I don't think about it. That this was the time when I became united with Christ. Where me and Christ were one. Where I was forgiven of all my wretched sins. Where the Holy Spirit came inside of me and lived inside of me. And it will live inside of me until Christ takes me back. You know, I think I need to look at other scriptures sometimes to understand this. But he says, you are united with Christ. Does that, do you understand even what that means? I'm like... What's it mean to be united with Christ? What's that mean? It literally means united, means that you and Christ are one. You know, when you read John 17, he speaks about this. He says, just as the Father and me are one, so now those that you gave me are one with me as I am one with you. That's crazy. That just as God and Jesus are one, so we and Christ are one. Doesn't mean that we're God, amen? I just want to say that. But as a husband and wife are one, so we are one. But that doesn't mean that we're not attached to God. You know, in my mind, I think that's pretty awesome. God's in heaven, right? And if I'm one with God, where am I going? I'm going to be right there in heaven. The Bible even says that you will sit on the throne of God. You will sit on a throne in heaven. Whoa, that's deep stuff. Revelation spoke about that when we did the Super Bowl service. I shared anyone who overcomes, right? Anyone who's victorious will sit on the throne. Not the throne, but a throne. And yet at the same time, we undervalue what that means to be in Christ. When you were baptized, what that means is, is, is more than I think we even can understand sometimes. You know, if you've not been baptized yet, I just want to say, get in the water. Get in the water. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get in the water right now. Let's get in the water. Get in that water. Let me just say it again. Get in that water. Water. Get in that water. Why? Because this is what happens when you get in that water. Let me be clear. I want you to get in the water. Why? I don't want to pressure you. I'm just saying it's almost like, hey, there's a million dollars at your house. Let's go right now. If you were slow to do that, I'd be like, what are you doing? Go, go get it. In the same way, what does it mean to be united with Christ? The Bible says that 
It says, so in Christ Jesus, you who are all children of God through faith. So, so in Christ, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. It means that when God looks at me, he sees his perfect, un, unblemished son. That doesn't feel even right. When I look at my life, when I look at myself, but that's the truth Amen. of our spiritual condition. Amen. It's so awesome. That, that even though I make mistakes, even though I trip and fall, even though I fall, if I could remain in Christ, if I continue on, I am perfect as God's son is. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling encouraged about that. I'm feeling comforted about that. That when Christ looks at me, he doesn't see all my problems. He sees Christ. Do you feel like a hot mess right now? I feel like a hot mess. I feel like a hot mess. I feel like, you know what, I don't have everything put together. Guess what, I got a to-do list that's way high. There are many things I am dropping balls on. My ducks, I don't even know where they are. Where are they? You know, Janet knows where her, her ducks are, amen? I don't know if they're in a row. But, but you know, for me, I, I've given up on that. I just want to glorify God today. And yes, I want to be organized. And yes, I want to give glory to God with my life and use the resources God's given me to glorify him. And if that means I need to be organized. Amen. But at the same time, I think we lose our joy because we're not relying on God enough. And God's already done it. He's clothed you with Christ. So you don't have to be perfect. You already are if you're baptized into Christ. Look at this other passage. You're united with Christ. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who died to sin. How can we live in any longer? Amen. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We're therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in, the, in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection like his. That's pretty amazing. So, now first of all, when we got baptized into Christ, we were united with him and we went through the same death, burial, and resurrection as he did. Where is, what happened to Jesus? He died three days in the tomb and then rose from the dead. And then where did he go? Going up to the spirit in the sky. That's gonna be where I go when I die. You know, I love that song. And I don't know what, what they were thinking when they wrote that song. Maybe they were having a spiritual awakening. But I don't know about you, but I love it because I think about Christ. That's, when I'm, that's where I'm going to go when I die. I'm going to the spirit in the sky. I'm going there. I'm going there. I'm, 
I'm going to be lifted up someday. You're going to be lifted up someday from the grave. Do you have any encouragement about that? We need to remember that. But I have homework today. Who cares about it? The homework. You know, but I got all these things I got to do on Monday. Who cares, man? It doesn't even matter. Guess what? You're going to forget it someday. There's going to be a time when you're going to just forget. Someone's going to say, so what did you do? You're going to be in heaven. What did you do when you were down on earth? You know what, man? Um, It's been so long. I've totally forgot what I used to do. One of the angels is like, you were a minister, dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Was that a good one? You know, that'll be a good question. No, but, you know, the angel will say, you know, I don't know what he'll say back. But, you know, it's interesting to think about that and to think about the fact that our worries can suck our joy, can make ourselves self-focused, and then we don't humbly serve one another. Christ understood this. Any comfort in his love, God loves you so much that he gave up his one and only son. I have three sons. It would be so difficult to give one of them up for you. Even though I love you, I love you deeply. But to give up one of my sons, it would just go against everything. It would be such a dilemma. And I don't think you'd want it either. But that's what our Lord did. And then furthermore, that one of my sons says, no, no, dad, let's do this. Do we have any comfort in his love? You know, God loves you so much, it's, it, it's going to take a lifetime to really learn it. You know, these are some of the scriptures that I think we need to focus on. And, and as we look at the scripture, this is how we get any tenderness, any compassion, then make my joy complete. By having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do you know what? When you have everything you need, it's easy to serve. And in Christ, you have everything you need. You don't need anything else. You know, that's a lie from Satan that you just need to get here and just need to get there. You already have everything. You know, there are times when you're with smaller people or like, like kids or you're with, you're with not smaller people like adults, but you're with smaller smaller kids and or maybe there's just maybe you're in a third world country and you realize how much you have you know and you don't feel like you need from these people do you know what I mean you're not like hey can I borrow some money you know what I mean you're giving them money you're helping them out you know and and that's what Christ was like and that's what we need to be like we are in a spiritual eighth world country right now spiritually it is so depraved and messed up but you are so rich in christ that we need to walk around like this is the third world country you know i remember when i became a christian it's almost like i was so excited that even if my rights were being violated i was still just like who cares? I remember I was at this football game, and it was uh, in New York City where I was baptized. And it was getting competitive like all football games go, amen? And we were going, and we're playing two-hand touch. And the guy that baptized me, he, his name's Olu. He's, he's kind of a, he's super fast, but he's also kind of uncoordinated. I don't know how that happens at the same time, but maybe when you're going so fast, you know what I mean? 
You, you just get uncoordinated. So he started going so fast, and he popped me out of nowhere. It was a cheap shot, basically. He popped me so hard. I just lifted up on the ground, and I fell on the ground. I was like, oh. You know how the wind gets knocked out of you? And everyone's like, I can't hear it. You know what I mean? I'm like, ee. You know what I mean? I'm just like. And I don't know what happened. In my, this was like the Holy Spirit. I got up. And I just gave Olu a hug, and I kept on playing. And the minister came up to me, Dan Connor at the time. He said, bro, that was so messed up. Are you doing okay? Do we need to talk to that brother? And I looked at him, and I said, he could do whatever he wants to me. He was the one that invited me to church. I just was like, who cares? He could steal money from me. He could do whatever he wants to me because he gave me everything. God used him to give me everything. But now, I feel like I got rights. You shouldn't do that, bro. That was hurtful. I need to be respected around here. Do you know what I mean? There was a brother who, who, we already know who he is, but he spent his money and, and, and fed us one Super Sunday. And I said, bro, you know, can we help out in any way? He's like, don't you dare. Help me. You know, that is because he's grateful for his relationship with God. You know, that's where I want to be now. But as I get older as Christ, I kind of don't, I forget the encouragement. I feel like that I'm someone that should be, I have rights in the Lord. But Christ, when we look at his example, it's going to get humbling real fast. Because I don't know about you, but Christ had all the rights. He literally should have been worshipped the minute he got to earth. And amen, I'm glad those wise men did it. But there was a man named Herod who wanted to kill him. And people trying to kill this baby that was the deity of God. Pretty amazing stuff. But I think this is the longest point for me because honestly, if you don't have this in your heart, you can't humbly serve. You can't have joy when you serve. Because I don't know about you, as I even think about this and talk about this, I realize that you guys can do anything to me. I already have everything I need. And that's what Paul felt in jail. Paul's rights in his mind weren't violated. He was like, I have everything I need. You want to stone me? Go ahead. The only way, the only reason he sometimes said, hey, is it right? I'm a lawful, I'm a Roman citizen. The only reason he didn't do that and, and stop, them, he stopped them from, you know, uh, flogging him was because it would hinder the gospel. He had more work to do. He realized, you know, I've been flogged like three times, and I know how it takes time to recover from that. And I miss out on preaching the word. So I'm just going to throw my Roman citizen card up and say, hey, is it lawful to do this? You know, I don't think he was like, hey, I'm, you know who I am. I'm Paul, the apostle. I think he just did it because the gospel would be hindered. He didn't think he had any rights. When you're a citizen of another place, 
You don't need to go by the rules of everyone else. And that's what our Lord did. This is an amazing point. The joy of imitating Christ in his humility. You know, it says, it says, just let's read what our Lord did. And this will be our last point. <clears throat> it says, in your relationships with one another, actually, no, uh, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you in the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Amen. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Imitating Christ in his humility. Guess what? You'll never be able to do it. You'll be like a mini-me of that imitation. You can do the mini-me thing, but you can't ever do it. Why? Because you're not God. You've never gone that low. You never. And we never will. But we can at least imitate that. Amen? You know, I, I, I think it's cool just be able to imitate that. To maybe walk in the footsteps of Christ. But we'll never be that. Our God was worshipped in heaven... For eternity, he was the creator who made all things. And I read this the other, today, this morning, and it really humbled me. Take, take note of the fact that neither here nor anywhere else in Scripture does it say Christ emptying himself of his deity. We'll talk about that. His divine nature is permanent and undiluted, always. Amen? Consider this, though. He remained above and beyond the power of all created things, willfully chose to set aside the divine independence he had enjoyed throughout eternity past. He who created gravity willfully chose to come under the law of gravity. Christ could have continued his divine existence without ever experiencing hunger or death, but he willingly came to the world he had formed, to become a servant, to live as a man, and to die a cruel, humiliating death on a Roman cross. There was no boasting or cry from him saying, I'm above all this. To light the spark and begin to desire to lay down our own rights and privileges and lift up the rights of others, we must understand the concept of the cross. Having an attitude of humility requires we understand we were only able to stand before God because of the price Jesus had paid. We draw each breath only as God gives it to us, only because of his abundant grace. How could we even think of being conceited when we realize we own the very breath we draw 
from Jesus Christ. This whole concept that Christ emptied himself, the Bible says, he became nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, is gotten scholars crossed up all over the place. You know, it's gotten the, the whole concept of, of, of kenosis, you know, just this whole aspect of emptying yourself, it is a Greek word, and it's a Greek word that many people have gotten confused about. Some thought that Christ emptied himself of his divinity. And that's not true because what does Paul say? Who very nature being God. Amen? He puts it straight right there. It's not open to interpretation. This Jesus was God in the flesh. But he emptied himself. And so to look at this um, kinohau, which is, it, it means to empty yourself. To set aside one's rights and to humiliate your own self. To basically take away all your rights by becoming a human form, by becoming a man. He fulfilled his mission, his service to us through going to the cross. This is a very complicated thing, but basically what he did was he took his rights from God and put it on the shelf. He didn't consider equality with God something he was going to do. It would be like me, you're like, where's Glenn? And I'm outside eating like the shrubs out there on my hands and knees, like Nebuchadnezzar did. You know what I mean? You're like, what happened to him? He doesn't live in the house anymore with his wife. He just roams around Portland eating shrubbery. Well, what is he doing? He became an animal. You would think I was insane, wouldn't you? You know, if, if, if you saw, you know, it's like Donald Trump. Don't want to say his name. Donald Trump giving up all his properties, all his wealth, and living in a dumpster. You're like, where's Donald? Is he at the White House? He comes out of the dumpster. He's like, no, I'm right here. He's eating garbage. You know, this is what it's like. This is not even close to what it's like, by the way. I'm just trying to connect ourselves to what Christ did. He gave up his deity, the rights he had as God. And you can see it when he gets tempted, can't you? Satan knows exactly who he is. He knows he's God. He said, listen, if you literally jump from this Jerusalem temple, they're going to catch you. The angels will not let you die until you're ready to die. At the cross, he said, I can call 10,000 angels right now. He had that right. It, it still was his right. But he didn't consider it something to be grasped. It would be like me emptying my bank account out, giving away all my cars, my house, everything. I don't know if my wife would appreciate that, but if I did all those things and just gave it to the poor, you know, some people in the early church did that. They felt like Christ emptied himself so much, what could I do to imitate that? It's radical. It's pretty radical. You know, I'm not saying we need to do that, but that's pretty radical. But that's what, they were connected to that. You know, I just, 
I just went on this uh, interesting vacation to, to Dominican Republic. And I'll end with this. And it helped me connect myself with this passage. You might ask how. Well, I'll tell you how. See, on the website, this resort looked amazing. And the power, I got to talk to the photographer of this person because they are amazing, okay? It looked, it was, you know, good price. My mom was excited because it was on the Caribbean side and she wanted to go scuba diving. She's like, let's go, we're going to do this. You know, I've been there before. I went to another resort somewhere, but I think this one will be good. I'm like, are you sure, mom? It's all inclusive. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, they take like kind of pesos over there, so we're good. It's beautiful over there. And, to, and obviously, Dominican Republic is beautiful. Amen? It's beautiful, beautiful place. But this resort was not awesome for several reasons. So we get off the plane, and we see the poverty instantly in Santo Domingo. And we're like, oh, my goodness. kind of hit us. You know, I've been to different Caribbean islands, and, and it's not like that. You know, and... and you hear the island music, and you're just excited, and you hear the breeze. That's what I'm thinking. Get off the plane, seeing naked babies running around, seeing people beg for food. I'm like, oh, man. How far is the airport from here? It's five minutes. Oh, five minutes from here. Where are we going? We go right in the heart of this poor place to this resort. That's like the most incredible thing to them, this resort. We get there, and they're like, sorry. We can't give you your room. It's been given to someone else. Right away. You know what I mean? What's up with that? You're over there. The ocean's over here. You're, you're way over there. You need to go to this other kind of, we just are getting it rehabilitated. You need to go over there. And you know. That started our vacation. Interesting. We get there, and there's cockroaches all over the, the house. They're flying. They're flying around. You know what I mean? And I'm like, Yo, dude, this isn't what the, 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 the website said here. And I'm like, let me just close this door. It's not closing. No closing. I'm like, oh, man. We found out that someone died on the floor that we were supposed to have, and that's why we weren't given our room. We said, okay, let's go to the pool. We jumped in the pool, and our kids turned blue. Like Smurfs. It was like a Smurf transformation. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, what is going on? And we realized that they just painted the pool and they didn't give it time to dry, amen? And then we realized, we're all like the families. And we realized this is like a spring break for Eastern European and Russian mafia people. I'm serious. They... They, they were rough. I was seeing guns. I was seeing things. And I'm like, my son's like, is that guy vaping over there? Like, I, it, was a, it was just a partying festival for Eastern Europe people. People get everyone smoking. Everyone's, there's no, like, smoke-free resort. You know how that is. I'm used to that now. You know what I mean? People are smoking next to you everywhere. And my, my grandma, she can't take that stuff. She starts speaking in Spanish, blah, 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 yelling at her, you know what I mean? And <laughs> my grandma goes, we need to leave now. <laughs> 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 
And so I'm, I'm in the hotel trying to figure out, like, how, is there another resort we can go to? Is there another place we can go to? They're like, sorry, you paid us up front. We were not going to refund your money. Um, but good luck to you. <laughs> you know, the whole aspect of service wasn't their strongest suit, amen? But why would it? You know what? We're, so we're from first world. We're so privileged that that's just, you're being treated special in this resort to them. And here we are like, what are we doing? Now, I don't appreciate drugs and everywhere being around. That's not encouraging. And I felt like we needed to leave just because of the environment. We went to the beach, and they were doing drinking games run by the resort. I go, what is happening here, man? They're like, drink, drink. No, 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 no. You're hearing someone like doing, you know, talking like this. And I'm like, we got to go. So we left the next day. Amen? We left the next day. We stayed at a Hampton Inn. My sons were like, oh, dad, this is the best hotel. Oh, this is amazing, you know, amazing. You know, we were just feeling so grateful. You know what I mean? But what made me really moved is that imagine what Christ felt when he left heaven and came down to our resort. And the shock that he felt at seeing this. The mor- I mean, the morality, we were, it was more the morality, by the way, because we lived in Albania. It wasn't, the bugs weren't helping. But, you know, it wasn't so much, I mean, honestly, if it was just not, there wasn't like drinking and drugs going on, we might have stayed, honestly, you know? But it was just the moral filth more than anything that made us feel like we have to leave. We have family here, you know, and this is not good. But Christ could have left. Christ could have said, oh, I didn't know it was this bad. The website looked differently. <laughs> the website looked differently than this. So I, I'm taking my rights back with me. But because of his love, he became humble. And Gave up his rights. And it wasn't even like our rights were being taken. No one was trying to hurt us. You know? But they were trying to kill him. You know, as we think about our rights, I think it's important to realize that we are citizens from another place. And as we think about other people, verse 5 is really what the challenge I want to leave you with. As we talk about this amazing love that Christ had for us, I want to encourage you Verse 5, in your relationships, that's everything, right? (laughs) With one another, have the same mindset of Jesus Christ, who gave up his rights for humble service. Amen.